innovation is in our veins Soon the whole world will know our names Sharing our knowledge and freedom reign We here for the people, you know it's our way Setting foundations is part of the dream It doesn't matter if you're new to the game Listen up now, cause we all gon' say Ugh. Elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, we gon' rise up Gonna shine. Work through adversity, stay on the grind. Elevate, elevate, this is our time. Elevate, elevate. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, everybody. It is so good to have you all on one more time. This feels a little different. It's your boy Dalton and Philip. Woo! Josh quit the show. No. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not me this time. Josh quit. Yeah, it's uh, an early. We don't April have the footage. Fools. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. This one's we're not getting paid for this one. Um sorry, Josh. We're we're doing this without you now. Um, but all jokes. Um, it's a uh, it's unique being um, without Josh here and just doing it solo. Yeah, no, it's uh, we've had a solo episode before. Yeah, and uh, it's been a minute. So. It's been a minute, dog. We talked about AI last time. Sort of in a not a negative light, but yeah, it wasn't like an exposing light. Yeah, it wasn't most positive. Uh, I feel yeah. like we've we've talked a lot about AI over the last couple of weeks and uh, oh, we've months. been all into it, man. So uh, I think. Today is kind of the goal of yeah. There's oh, some good things. Yeah, like yeah. rectifying AIs. Like not all bad. Not not everyone is dating their AI girlfriends yeah. here. <laughs> dude, dude, I think you got that from our conversation earlier. But yeah, I was in a restaurant over the weekend, and uh, it really is happening. There was people talking about dating their their computer, I guess, or their phone. I don't know, but their AI girlfriend trying to preach to their friends why they should as well. Yeah, no, it's it's weird, and I think the worst because that's replica replica AI is the AI that we talked about. Yes, way back when. That's the one where it was just you and I, right? No, that was the that was the AI that's like that's citizenship, now. right? That's when we talked about before was the AI was citizenship. Oh no, that that was the one out of Dubai. So, yeah, like Saudi somewhere yeah. there. Uh, but replica, replica replica AI is the one now that has like the dating feature. Got it. And I think the weirdest thing is, like, I kept seeing ads on Instagram about it. Like, Oh, they're pushing it? I saw it way before it really came to, like, the spotlight. Because oh. I, have, I have my Instagram ads, like, targeted ads turned off. So I get, you get like, anything. Yeah, I get yeah. the most random stuff. So I got that, like, oh. months before. And I just saw it. I was like, oh, talk to this AI friend. And it wasn't saying directly, like, girlfriend at that time. But I just saw it. It was just so so weird but is this it replica virtual ai friend oh that's it yeah oh dude it is a full-fledged app people love it 4.3 stars out of 5 11,000 ratings philip 11,000 people if it was an ai shrink i would diagnose this thing with bpd it has very poor object constancy but the fact that i can even make the comparison is both uncanny and intriguing makes you think it's watching you <laughs> I love it. Okay, so yeah, um, Replica is one of them. I think that's the one we talked about. And yeah. so I, I'm not sure which app this gentleman was was referencing or, or website. I don't know. Maybe there's several. But yeah, man, people are into it. They're, it's happening in real life around us. They're, it's it's taking over, man. So we got to talk about the good AI. The AI that could be saving lives. Yeah. We talked about just written before we started that there's one we're going to talk about that has cancer indications. Yeah, as an uh, AI. yeah. I mean, we didn't really read into it. We just kind of just gauged it. And yeah, the page, the first page was yeah. like page four four can't be found. So, what yeah, of course, it is a Forbes article. So I think that that's I think that's an error. I generally trust Forbes, um, but yeah. who knows? So, um, 
for people who obviously, I don't know if we'll put this on the screen, but what is generative AI? So uh, concept and applications explain the term generative AI is used to describe AI systems that can create new information from scratch, as opposed to merely evaluating or acting on pre-existing data. Avatars on social media sites and text to image converters have both made generative AI more accessible to the general public in recent weeks. Oh, okay. So I would say it's like where chat GPT is um, not inherently generating things all the time because yeah. it, of course, is accessing the internet. Um, but they use an example of um, text to image. Mm. So that's, have you used those AIs yet? Uh, no, I haven't, but I've seen some uh, footage uh, where there is, there's a YouTube channel, which I've, I think I've addressed before. Yeah. There's a production company uh, out of, uh, LA mm. who make a lot of kind of animated or not animated, but digital CGI shorts on YouTube. Right. And they run their own production company uh, who have now recently they've dived into a lot of AI ads that's mm. come out and kind of use this replication of like text to image they've used to kind of make now their newest thing is they made a eight minute animated video using through a bunch of eight different AI processes, they shot everything of actual characters, of actual actors on screen, in front of a green screen, shot everything, and then converted that into an animation. So, wait. So you're telling me they told the computer, like, we want an eight-minute animated skit on, like, let's say, like, for school, you could say, like, make an animated skit on drug use and why it's bad. No, no, and so it can like spit out a, a movie. Is that what that means, or? Oh no, so not exactly. They they'd wrote like written their own script and everything. They oh, had told their own story. Okay, but they use AI to create the animation and so, the characters, or they design the characters and the AI makes it. So, for example, uh, it's like they take a picture of you, yeah, and then they give a general description of what type of animation style you would be in. Okay. And then it applies that to every single frame throughout the entire footage. And then using kind of three different steps of AI, because there's the that one which you talked about, the text-to-image one, yep. where there's a text-to-image that can make distorted images turn into real images. Like based on blobs, it will be like, that's an elephant. Right. And using that technology, they distorted their initial footage of the actors just distorted it in a way where it was consistently distorted the same way so that every frame was like somewhat different, but distorted in the same way so that the AI would replicate the same kind of image for every single frame. Got it. So that like the way that I would say be like morphed or, or whatever would be unique enough for the AI to know it's me, but um, enough that like so the it's like a unique identifier almost like when you see this gray blob that's an elephant or that's dalton throughout the whole skit yeah like similar to that uh. and then using the ai they put it uh through the entire process like every single frame that they shot made it look gave it like identifiers like animated 80s style uh like some i think it was based off some like vampire anime or something mm. where it just got the kind of animation style jawline to match what they wanted put it put it throughout the entire thing it was a little bit janky because of right. course it's ai yeah but then through putting it through another ai process it smoothed everything out and made it like the animation pretty like smooth throughout where certain frames you could pick out 
you couldn't even identify that they're made by an AI. Dude. So someone who's in film, what does that, does that scare you? I feel like, uh, it's, I've shown it to some classmates as well and it is, it's a little freaky, but it's not <laughs> like, it's not like a one, two step and it's of course, there. Yeah. So I feel like, um, but what would that look like in 25 years? That's the point, right? I feel like it is definitely opening Pandora's box to this like new era of, I guess, entertainment. But mm. I feel like it also is, and that's what they talked about in the video too when they explain everything, is it allows for the opportunity for a lot more people to tell their stories, right? Mm. It's no longer that limitation of, you know, you don't have a giant production studio that's animating for you. Right. right. So now independent creators can shoot their own things just by themselves with some friends and then using AI. Obviously, you need to learn about it. You need yes. to apply it properly, but you can now tell stories that you otherwise couldn't tell. Right. So it definitely opens that opportunity. And I mean, it's going to be a couple of years until it's going to be at the same level as animation studios and all that. And I think at the same time, animation studios. And 3D and CGI is going to develop, like, substantially. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've already seen that with Avatar, Way of Water. Yes. Right? It's insane. I mean, won Oscar for Best Visual Effects. Yeah. But uh, everything is kind of happening very quickly now at the same time. And I think it's very interesting to be kind of a part of that, to understand what's going on in the change. Mm. And I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing. Yes, the AI does kind of copy. Yeah, it takes right. it takes off of other kind of character, other people's work, mm -hmm. and then applying it. So that's a lot where kind of artists are coming in against AI because it is yeah. copyright infringement, right? Right at a certain point. Yeah. But then, if you can say create your own visual art style, apply that to the AI, and give the AI enough of a database to be like, this is the elevate like animated style for example yeah and then you could animate multi-stream bunch of videos faster instead of having to animate all those single things it can streamline process a like that a lot easier for independent smaller creators who don't have these giant budgets because mm. all these ais are completely free to use so that like in my mind i'm going like if i was say a school that was teaching art or something like that like i would not i would encourage the, the learning process of using AI rather than like discouraging AI completely like condemning because I don't think this is going away right like I don't think AI is not going this far to just die one day like this is this is some future type stuff yeah I think it's very like it's important to identify AI and mm. what it is uh, I've seen a lot of posts where it's like oh look at this art created by an artist and then I read the descriptions like AI artist I'm like you should identify that you shouldn't say this is an artist because that mm. takes away from actual artists right but using it in a way where it's not destructive to other creators and other people's art right. but using it to create its own visual art style like this is this this is you know not to make two polar opposites but like identify it as ai and then in, in a clever way that doesn't take away from the amount of artists that are trying to put out their work in the world there. Yes. Because I feel like that's what we've seen a lot now on social media in terms of AI art and, gener AI and generated art. It's just like fully AI and there's not a lot of real art out there. We're giving away credit to these amazing artists that are, you know, working a day off like 
days in, days out, yeah. making pieces of art, and then an AI can draw it out in like three seconds. Yeah. So and then it starts to like make you think, what is art? Like, are you do you enjoy art because of someone's creative vision, or do you just like it because it looks cool? And I, I think both are fine, but I guess as the I guess art is in the eye of the beholder as well, right? So, I mean, that's I think the first thing I learned going to NASCAR: art is subjective. Yes. Yeah, one thing, yeah, and I noticed that a lot, um, you know, when you go into someone's house and you, you look at, like, the way maybe they've decorated it compared to maybe the home you grew up in, you think, I would never have picked any of this. But they love it. And so, yeah, it just kind of makes you think, like, where people get their ideas, too. Yeah. Interesting, man. Well, so that's, um, I would say that's a really good introduction to what generative AI is. And so then I've got a couple um, links in here for, I think, the applications of it. How will generative AI disrupt video platforms? So uh, generative AI is an in artificial intelligence model that when trained on massive data sets can generate text, images, audio, and video by predicting, by predicting the next word or pixel. The simplest output called a prompt, so, sorry, the simplest input called a prompt to generate AI is a text description based on that text uh generative pre-trained transformer which is gbt so chat gbt is chat pre-trained transformer can write a paragraph a text to image model such as stable diffusion can create a picture music lm can create music and Im imaging video i'm assuming that's what pronounced imagine video can create a video that's technology will dem 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 Democratize? Democratize all <laughs> kinds of content creation. For video creation, it could leave level the playing field more than smartphones and social video platforms have already done. It will also fundamentally change the content, video content industry. So that's exactly what we just talked about. Is like I, video, video content industry I think is so wide because like a TikToker is a video content creator. A YouTuber is... A movie director is, and then there's independence scattered throughout on tons of different, yeah. you know, areas. And if you've got a platform right now that you say can make a, an eight minute video animated, like that's already longer than what you could post on TikTok. So to me, that means that AI has conquered how to make an animated TikTok, how to make an animated YouTube video short. The only next level is like, they must be shooting for movie. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, to be fair, that AI, the step, it was a step-by-step -step process using more, like three different AIs. I think Stable Diffusion was one of them. Okay. But so it's it's still not at the same level where you can just give an AI a prompt and then it will create it. Right. But I think it, that's what it says is it's the tool, right? It yes. allows for, I think it allows for creativity to spur more. And yeah. Definitely leveling the play of playing field compared to bigger budgets. Definitely, because even, I mean, there's YouTube channels, like the one you just talked about, they're they're a full-fledged production company, though they rely on YouTube. If you and I wanted to start a, a an animated series or something, you know, maybe we could write the script, but we don't have the funds to, hot, like you mean, like you said, you have to hire an animation team, right? Like it's not just one person typically for a, for, for a video, right? Depending on, on the size, you would need a team, so if you can have a free service that all you need is the script and maybe spend a few days finagling it, maybe you'll need to hire one person or just, yeah, kind of just learn about it. Right. Yeah. Go slow, start small. That's, um, that will make a huge dent. So 
It says here, consider Netflix, TikTok, and YouTube the stars in this domain. Although each is unique in terms of content type and business model, all three platforms operate by incentivizing creators to develop engaging content, matching the right content to the right consumer, identifying what content drives engagement. Each of these elements build on each other to create a flywheel that was that has helped all three platforms gain viewers at high speed. So then it goes on to say why Netflix and YouTube are in trouble. So uh, Netflix... TikTok and YouTube have done well due to their ability to determine content relevance and engagement. So then we'll move on to the next headline just so um, not to drag on. Extracting useful, precise features. If a video is commissioned, as happens at Netflix, the categories it falls in are known, genre, cast, duration, etc. But those are broad and sometimes subjective labels. Uh, of course, many of the video's features can be specified. The script, shot list, other production features are known precisely. But attempts to use this data, however, lead to the other extreme. There can be too much information to describe just one video. What does that mean? Do you like too much information, especially in a data mine, doesn't make sense? Uh, I think it comes down to, I think in this regard, is like what is a video? Or like what is a genre of a movie? You can say it's a horror movie, mm. but then. For example, if you take, you know, there's a very big difference between a kind of B-movie horror movie or a slasher than, let's say, Ari Aster, Midsummer, where it's a psychological, like, mm. drama, right? It is putting the amount of information in there to actually describe it, mm. right? Because everything now is to identify differently, you know? It's not just this, it's also this, right. and to kind of niche down from all these other things i saw an example the other day where it was like different types of electronic music Mm. or it's just like the most niche like smallest thing and it's like the vaguest description of it but then you listen to it's like oh yeah someone someone sounds like that vague psycho right it's edm (laughs) psycho mushroom skeletons sure sounds like that like it, so it's just how much detail do you want to give into these descriptions mm. before you're like revealing the entire plot of the movie too. Oh, I understand. So that's a really great point that I hadn't considered is, yeah, the more you describe, why would you watch it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also comes down in this course in case of commissioning stuff, mm. how much do you need to describe it to sell it? Oh, because that's kind of what we've been learning in all our screenwriting classes is in terms of a log line and a, like a log line, a pitch, mm-hmm. uh, and just what, how do you present your movie? You should be able to present your movie with two lines where it's just one long sentence kind of uh, describing this happens. So, for example, um, a torn character is raised on a desert planet until his... He finds out that he has secret powers to that he then needs to use to save the galaxy. That was good. <laughs> that was like a ripping up, ripping off like Star Wars. But that's essentially what the log log line of Star Wars is: is this like character in a weak spot, right? Encounters this, which changes his life because he's this greater thing, like the hero's journey. That's what it's essentially called. So everything, every movie has these kind of step by step descriptions of what happens in the movie that to specify it. So this mm. now you have to identify it because everything is kind of that same. Every movie is similar to that, but it's got a different spin on it. So then identifying that and 
how do you sell these different movies now that everything can be created? Right. Like you could, yeah, your wildest dream could be. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Overcoming barriers to creation. So that literally the thing we just talked about. So I mean, I won't go too far into this, but closed Hollywood style content production is expensive and slow. Netflix spent 17 billion on content in 2022. Netflix co-CEO Greg Peters said, but if we deliver a Wednesday every week, if we deliver a glass onion every week, we'll get the vast majority of those viewers back. Clearly they can't yet deliver a Wednesday in quotes, a popular and high budget modern spin on the Adams family every week with their current production model. Uh, the alternate model is the open user generated content used by TikTok and YouTube. So what we just spoke about, how this could level the playing field as we've said, or, you know, or does it level the playing field or does it allow huge corporations to get even further? Yeah, that's kind of the point where it's the Hollywood exploitation of the giant corporations, which yes. was something that was a bigger issue back in the kind of 50s to 60s mm. where uh, they came out of it due to a lot of French New Wave came out kind of in protest to a lot of the films that were coming out of uh, like uh, coming out of North America because they're all just like Hollywood streamlined right this very this narrative of this this very and it turned very P PG at one point mm -hmm. it had to follow the Hollywood guidelines on what to follow and they were these big corporations who had control on where movies were released where movies were shown they produced their movies and they only released their movies in their movie theaters does oh. that sound familiar oh that's so, interesting so just that now is you know let's say netflix only make they make their big budget movie only release it on netflix yes an original so, exactly same thing with apple they released. They yes. produced this movie. Only released it on Apple. So there's all these different apps now, which were basically going back into that same kind of big studio ownership that was happening back in the 60s, 50s, where it's just like there's so many few independent producers now because all of them have to go through these major companies, companies. in order to sell their productions. I mean, it's a little better now, but still, I think now because the amount of budgets that are going into these huge movies, it is, we're kind of going back into that kind of that Hollywood big corporation ownership of yeah. production companies, which is why like Marvel keeps being able to push out these. I mean, Disney owns them, keeps being able to push out these movies, which aren't good. Yeah. They're, they're not, media. They're mid. They're yeah. not good anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I've, they're beating dead horses. Yeah. I mean, I've heard so much bad about the new Ant-Man movie. Mm. but it's just like they own it because they have all the money they can make it. Yep. And it's just, I feel like we're falling back into kind of what happened back in the sixties. Like we're so going you're in saying like um, back in the fifties or sixties, a company like Warner would produce it and they wanted to re recoup the money only through themselves. So they built a theater where you could only watch that movie. Is yeah. That so, so they essentially, they owned the production and the distribution of the movie completely. So they were like vertically integrated for the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, they were. It was vertical integration, essentially. Got it. Wow. So then, yeah, you look at it today and you think, well, that's literally what's happening. Because I've got 1,700 subscriptions on my phone to watch different movies on all of them. Prime Originals, Netflix Originals, Apple Originals, Discovery Plus has an app. Like, they all have apps. Yeah. That all cost a monthly. Like, it's crazy to just try and watch them. Yeah. That's really, that's really interesting. And so my fear is, yeah, that if this gets into the hands 
because this is, I think AI is only going to remain free for so long as well. I think this is like a show everyone what it can do. And then like, yeah, there'll be a free version and there'll be a ridiculously priced paid version that will allow Netflix to do whatever they want. I'm sure that these will be tailored to companies like Netflix and Apple and they'll have the money to pay for it. And they will level the playing field for like a bit of time. And then it will, I, I, who knows anything can happen, but I just feel like these AI creators are going to want their bag at some point. I mean, they can't just keep giving it away. Yeah, that's true. I mean, deservedly so. Like, they are creating some stuff that is pushing our society into the future. Yeah. And they, I feel like they definitely are going to get, you know, some recognition at some point. Yeah. So I feel like it's from who they get the recognition from. Yes. Who was really going to decide the future of AI. Because as definitely. a kind of just a civilization, if it's just the smaller independent producers, are like, you know what? I love your stuff. I love what you're doing. Like, you've helped me grow as like yep. a independent producer of videos like i appreciate you stuff if they get a lot of that stuff they'll continue to push it free yes they'll probably get some kind of monetization compensation for it yeah but if these big companies are like you know what you guys are stealing from us let's buy you out okay that you bring up an incredible point because in my mind i was like yeah they'll leave the free website version for like for for the little guy and they'll charge companies for their api like they'll charge companies for like the direct access into their software but when that's not good enough Disney could afford to buy pretty much anything. Yeah. Apple can afford to buy pretty much anything. So then all of a sudden, say Apple gets their hands on the entire code base. It's like, okay, so now Apple's the only one that can make these AI productions. It sets them worlds apart. And then we're like right back to the 50s. Yeah. Even at a higher level. I mean, we did talk about, that wasn't didn't Bing buy or Bing oh, bought up yeah. with a chat TVD. So that was a paid yeah, so uh, into the, the CEO, I think, of Microsoft has been investing heavily, Microsoft funds, into chat, to, into OpenAI yeah. as a company. Yeah. And also they integrated it with Bing, oh, yeah, right? with, which was a part, yeah. which was a, you had to pay into that. As a user? I think. Oh, I don't know if you do. I think right now it's just like trial, like um, oh, okay. maybe beta, but that may become part of, I assume it will become part of like Office 365, okay. which is a monthly fee. So like right now for my, like my website email address, it's through Microsoft 365. It's 15 bucks a month or whatever. And I get Microsoft Word, Excel, Outlook, professional email, OneDrive. And now it may include open AI integration into Bing, your Outlook calendar. Um, is it Skype that they have? Oh, Teams, Microsoft Teams. Yeah, Teams, yeah. Um, so I suspect all that will soon be behind their paywall as well. Yeah. It's, 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 it's happening, dude. It's happening. Yeah. It's happening. And that's, that, that outlook stuff is a great segue into, I think we have an article about Gmail, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. It's, sorry. It's a TikTok. Okay. So I'll put this on and let this guy explain it because it's, it's, it's really interesting. You've got to see Google's AI announcement today. It is crazy. I'm going to show you some demos of what they just launched. So directly in Gmail, you could write out what you want to say and it could generate the entire email message for you. In Google Slides, you can write out what you're looking to present and it can make an entire presentation in just one sentence. Dude. This one is really cool, but it can personalize messages for your different clients, like directly in Google Sheets. Take a look. It's super fascinating. Dude. This is game changing for marketing. Google owns a ton of the products that we interact with on a daily basis. And I expect that we'll see AI integrations in pretty much all of them. This announcement from Google comes just days before we're expecting to see GPT-4 released. The AI wars are heating up. 
the AI wars, dude. So that's what they're that's what they're calling this AI wars. And it's true because it's like three weeks ago we talked about Microsoft and ChatGPT. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Google's got their own AI. Seemingly nowhere. Dude, they were writing an email and said, like, send a professional email about whatever, the meeting. And it just wrote, it built a PowerPoint while Google slide. Yeah, that was, uh, I feel like this is getting into, like, it is useful in certain regards, but I feel like it's getting into very scary territories of how much are we allowing this AI to do? Um, in terms of like students wise, I'm like, oh yeah, I can write my presentation for me. Like <laughs> easy. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to do any work this week or like chat GPT. I can write an essay for me. Yes. It's just like how I feel like it, AI is very useful, but like how lazy are we going to get? It could kill work ethic. It could kill work ethic. Yeah. And exactly. And I think now also, I think the U S is a, I, they're talking about getting, cutting down to a four, four day work week. Yes. So now it was like four day work week, but we're spending, you know, just the first two days getting the AI to prompt everything for the rest of the week. We're working two days a week, right? How lazy are we going to get with this? And how long can you be lazy until your employer realizes, well, we could just use AI. <laughs> we, we can just type it ourselves. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where at least with, I feel like with film and entertainment industry is mm-hmm. at a certain point, AIs can't write scripts. Like they're right. they're horrible at writing scripts. Their ideas are very general based on what's happening. And in creative spaces, that's good because you can kind of come up with new yeah. stuff, which yeah. is also the good integration with AI. We're using the AI images. You have to come up with the prompts by yourself. You have to come up with the idea of what you want the AI to push. Yes. It's still your idea initially. It's not the AIs. I mean, it, it's pulling pictures from the internet off of what you asked it to pull, though. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there is some creativity there where mm. it's still human minds behind the creative process of it. Yes. But certain like writing emails to people, yes, it can quickly do that. You know, it can definitely speed up processes. So I think for smaller businesses, yeah, it's useful. For for example, current. Yeah. Just to plug my, my buddy's hat here, which is a sustainable hat made 100% of cotton and they support marine pollution charities around the world dude that's sick yeah so that's the stuff that's coming out of acadia nowadays oh dude that's nice so um and 10 percent of proceeds go to marine pollutions dude we love a sustainable business so anyways then for example small company just being made can use ai to then integrate an email chain of everyone that subscribes to the kind of business it's like hey do you want to sign up for our email chain and then every month it will send a personalized email to everyone saying, all right, this month your donations or your hat purchase will go to this proceed. Yes. This proceed because they change every month. Yes. So that limits that monthly process for them to just be like, yeah, the AI can do that. Yes. So for on independent levels, I feel like it can be very efficient. But yeah. also in larger corporations, it can cut a lot of the workforce away, leaving a lot of people without jobs. That's the key point there is in a small business, it – uh, it affords the owner of the small business don't have to hire a bunch of people they can't afford. And in a big business, it allows them to fire people to make more profit. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Dude, that is that is crazy. This video um, at the end spoke about GPT-4. And there's a, we have a video on that as well. Um, I referenced it as chat GPT-4. I don't think that's accurate. I think this product is strictly called GPT-4 by OpenAI. 
So I think it's less chat based. I think now is the point because it's multimodal, I think is what they're calling it. Um, They'll explain it though. GPT-4 just dropped and the internet is freaking out. I'm going to tell you exactly what it can do, what it can't do, and where I think it's going to be the most disruptive. It was trained on a lot more data than its predecessors and it had a lot more human fine-tuning. It knocked some academic tests out of the water. So the bar exam was in the 90th percentile of ELSA, 88th percentile. There was a lot of others that it performed exceptionally on. But it could also be argued that if any student had access to the entire internet, they would probably be in the 90th percentile of the bar exam too. There were some exams that didn't do well on. Okay, but here's where people are really freaking out, that it can see and do tasks. In other words, it's multimodal, which means Means it can accept images so you could give it a picture of something and ask it to write a summary about it or a caption about it so instead of just feeding it a text prompt and getting text back you can feed it images and it's actually performed a lot better than humans on some types of vision tests i want to reiterate that vision for an ai system is a very different thing than human this is pretty cool so now it has a 25,000 word count aka can you write me this entire novel kind of thing but where i think it's going to be the most impactful programming Programming capabilities just keep getting better and better. I mean, existing programs have already made programmers 50% more productive. That number is just going to keep going up. But one thing to keep in mind, it is massively flawed. So again, use these systems as like a co-collaborator, co-creator, but know that they have a lot of limitations. And this is just the beginning. I'm going to do a lot more videos on GPT-4. So the couple takeaways I took from that is like, it's now transcended again, where it's like, you can pass it a picture of anything and say, look at it and the computer can quote unquote see it and talk about it contextually so it's like it will know if it is like a black dog in front of a white house and write a caption saying black dog in front of a white house on a sunny day that's odd to me in terms of how i know computers to be like reading pixels how does it do that right because to me it's like yeah so in my mind up until like now when a computer reads a file it reads like the metadata which is just a bunch of strings of characters that a, computer, zeros, yeah. Yeah, that a computer processes to show an image on the screen. But now what it's doing is it's it's like it's a c- camera looking at a printed out picture and can interpret what's on it. A programmer had to make that. Like there was, there was developers who made that. But then at the end, she goes on to say that this might be the most disruptive thing for programmers. Are they coding their own replacement? Do they know that? Do they just want to be part of the change so bad? I don't know. I feel like it is a very useful tool for programming, mm-hmm. but it also does take away as like programmers aren't really going to know if they're writing code wrong because the AI is just going to fix it for them. Right. So, I mean, now I've, it is, you know, at the risk because does programming kind of fade out now because you can just give it a prompt and like write me the code to this website but I think you still need to understand a little bit. So there are levels to it still, but I don't know if this has transcended that yet. Cause I guess say, we'll see. Yeah. Like say that this GBT four can, can like it has access to what, when they talked about the bar exam, getting a 90% access to the entire internet. And this is just released. So this is like 2023 internet. And if you ask it, um, like what would be the best prompt? Like, um, code an application in in Python that allows a user to log in and view their monthly invoices. It it can look up, I'm assuming, that the documentation from Python officially. So it doesn't know how to write Python wrong. It can only, it would only do it right because it has access to the documentation from Python itself. Whereas human error, I think, is the number one deficit in programming is, is human error, getting it wrong. And so if, you, if, if, again, if you're a small business, 
and you want to build your first app, this could be a great way to like get it off the ground, make a base, make like the foundation, then you can continue onto it. But if it gets so good, is this going to allow mid-sized development companies like that exist in Halifax to, to get rid of people? Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. I feel like we're very much coming down to the point where it's like, are, are we replaceable by robots at this point? Like, is this the Jeffersons? Is that, is that the Jetsons or what is that show? <laughs> the, the Jetsons is the one where they have the spaceship. Yeah, yeah. And it's like they're living this futuristic world. Like that's what I always thought it would look like. And it's not. It's very much just your laptop being so ridiculously powerful. Your phone being powerful. Good thing mine stopped working. Dude. <laughs> yeah, good thing you can't use your laptop. <laughs> um, yeah, man. And, and I mean, there's people even in this comment section of um, – <laughs> Uh, of here where it says, I, I was thinking about being a programmer. My dreams are now death. <laughs> we will certainly need programmers long to the future, but AI will definitely impact the industry. So this creator is quite vague. Like I wish she would say like what, how, why it will be so impacted. Like just to say AI will impact it. I wish there was more context, but um, so someone said, so it theoretically can help with understanding any math problems, like having a tutor. Oh, an implication I did not think about. Yeah, that's, Dude, I, I'm like, I'm off on calculus. I'm bad at math. Like, would this have, is there a need for me to know calculus? Yeah, I, it, I do wonder how it teaches though. That's also the thing. Cause there is a teaching mm. is, uh, there's a very certain way of teaching, right? You can't teach every single person the same way. There is yeah, different dynamics with people it. too. So I don't think it's going to fully be able to take yeah. that step away. Cause I'm like, now I'm afraid of like teachers jobs here. Like, can the, just I the know. chat, can an AI teach all of us or do we even need to get taught? Cause the AI can do everything. And maybe it's not that the AI teaches, but maybe the school board now doesn't have to write their own curriculum. But now we're getting to that spicy point where it's like, Oh, who wants their children to get taught by a robot? Especially like in America right now, a word that's going on is indoctrinating our children. And so do you trust the internet? I, like for example, an AI powered by the internet to determine what your children are taught. If the school board could cut 10 jobs, keeping in mind the school board is, is the government, I'm sure they would try. I feel like the government loves to do that. Um, and we don't, and another implication I think that's even more severe is what if the current people hired to write the curriculum are using AI and just not telling it just to make it easy? Uh, I don't know. That's, so in like, that's yeah. I wonder how much content we're interacting with already that's AI written that we don't know about. Like, for example, on, on my couple websites for my companies, the content is all AI written, and it's it's pretty good. I had to go in and adjust some things because it's it, it kind of writes like Wikipedia. Like, it writes not phonetically correct sometimes. Like, it just kind of reads weird. But I wonder how much is on the Internet because you mean you can ask it to make blog posts. So I wonder how many pieces that we've come across that maybe could be AI written. Because there's no laws that say you have to disclose it. Yeah, it's um, yeah, no, definitely that's a scary point of kind of how much has this already taken over, mm. right? Uh, I feel like sometimes the internet catches on to things late, right? Has this yes. already been very much integrated into a lot of systems? And we were just too naive or ignorant to the to AI to even know. I could see it happening. I could see it happening, dude. I love how we started this. We're like, let's talk about some positive things there. Well, I mean, the thing is, I think these are generally positive. I will say, like, having having 
GPT-4 being able to say, for example, take in images and provide context, I think is wildly helpful for a certain demographic. I think it also takes away from others. So maybe we framed the episode wrong. Maybe it's not all, maybe we shouldn't say all the positive things because I think it's, I think there's in no one case where it's strictly positive for everyone. I think there's there's always an upside and a downside to things. I think maybe it's just more to one than the other. But I would say things like that is, is helpful. And same with the AI for Gmail, you know, where we say, yeah, could it impact work ethic? But maybe for people with disabilities who have a hard time using a keyboard or, um, you know, uh, aren't able to use text-to-speech functions, this allows them to at least communicate and operate on a, a professional level. So maybe it is helpful. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's actually a great segue into this article right yes. here where uh, this is a AI that, or this is a program made by Huawei Yeah, that is using AI helping deaf children learn sign language. Incredible. So it's, a, it's a, AI is needed to do that. That's interesting. So uh, I think from my limited understanding, we can read through it too. Yeah. Uh, it, what it does is it takes books and translates them into sign language that they can show to children then. So, whoa. So that's huge, especially in school. So I'm sure you can have an experience if we're in school where you're like, you get a sign reading, meaning the whole class reads the same book. And so is this something, is AI, could AI be used in, in other ways too, where it's like you, you use AI to, to translate or um, replicate books into other mediums that are acceptable for people with different disabilities. Like, so maybe that's another thing that comes out of this. But, so you're saying that this will um, take in something and convert, essentially convert it to um, American Sign Language. Yeah, I mean, we can uh, go in. Okay, the article here. let's go here. So um, at Huawei, our mission is to bring digital to every person, home, and organization for a fully connected, intelligent world. We believe that technology should enrich people's lives and AI can extend the boundaries of what is humanly possible. So in 2018, using AI and augmented reality, we created StorySign, the world's first literacy platform for deaf children. Learning to read can be difficult for any child, but for small children who are severely or profoundly deaf, it can be an overwhelming challenge. We knew our technology could help to open the realm of books to 32 million deaf children around the globe and introduce them to a world of imagination, curiosity, and creativity. StorySign is a free mobile app that aims to help deaf children read by translating the text from selected books into sign language. Through the power of AI and augmented reality, StorySign brings these books to life and helps deaf children enjoy story time as every child should. App available to download. So I'm interested because what I'm taking from that, especially with the augmented reality piece, does that mean like you hold the book in front of your camera? Oh, how StorySign works. A child opens a selected reading book in front of them, then opens the app and holds the phone over the page. Star, our friendly avatar, signs the story while the app highlights each word that she signs. Story sign helps children and their parents to share the magic of story time while they learn to read and sign together. So it is exactly what I thought. I remember when Apple released your um, Animoji, which was like your little guy that could like you could put on the table and like you could put the icon over your face and stuff like that. So that means if I'm holding open like a nursery book or, or like a bedtime story, your child could look on the phone and 
see the words change as if they were on the book and it will like it will highlight it and then sign it to you dude that's incredible that's like that's like the best example of of good that can be done with ai yeah i hate that it's huawei (laughs) yeah so does trump yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, this is this is 2018 so they've been on this for a couple years now so and this is the first time i've heard about it just like our point like how much has been going on in the background for the last five years even 2018 to 2020 five years yeah i mean this one caught my eye just because i've decided i want to learn sign language just because it is right an interesting language to learn and everyone's mm-hmm. like oh, i'm gonna learn french that i'm like no i'm gonna do something different yeah but so this i mean it's so useful i mean the fact that i mean the stats that they're putting it? out i haven't used it with anyone because i don't really know anyone deaf yet right i, I, feel, I feel like I'm, i'll meet people eventually of course so. yeah but the fact that they put out here with the 32 million deaf children around the globe that is a large amount of children that is a staggering number and it's like the, the, even if it was a, one person who now gets to read a storybook as a kid, I think that's a job well done. 32 million, that can, that's a country. <laughs> and I, mean, I feel like this is, I mean, this is, can change these kids' lives. Like AI is mm-hmm. now an integral part of their learning process. Okay, so now hear me out. One day we have smart glasses where their little avatar can pop in when, you have just, when you're just holding a regular book. And it, it can stru- it will sign to you the words on the book in front of you, all by wearing glasses. Can that happen someday? I mean, Snapchat glasses and stuff exist. The Facebook glasses exist. Yeah, I wonder if even in that same regard, where it, it can come down to lip reading, where you can have an AI read lips and then sign it to you. Oh, okay, that's super interesting. And then this goes to an, uh, to rebuttal that. How can Will there ever be a time where that person would be able to communicate back through like glasses or something and have like a voice come out of their glasses so they could communicate with people who aren't able to speak ASL? Like, yeah, that's like with eye movements through the glasses, could they say what they want? I don't know. Almost like, um, Stephen Hawking in his chair where he... It was mouth movements, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's different technologies for that. Uh, yeah. Where they can use their mouth. There's like a tube they blow into. Yes. Or different things where they can type it out. But I feel like using AI and now with where we talked about the AI visualization where the AI mm-hmm. can identify what's going on on the screen, that can be really useful in terms of yes. understanding and communication. Because a multimodal system could have context about the conversation we're having right now and the surroundings. Yeah, so I feel like now this opens up, obviously, sign language, but I feel like this can also open up the opportunity of translating languages on the fly. Uh, Where I've I've seen some apps, none of them I've really believed so much, where it's like, oh, yeah, talk into the microphone and it translates it. But I feel like now with AI, it can definitely, I feel like it can contextualize information like that and do translation on the fly directly phonetically accurate translations too where like you know when you were a kid like in school they're like don't use google translate because the french will not be how you'd actually say it and that's what those like cheesy apps are but if you can program a language ai model that knows like if you were truly say in quebec or france like they're different they're different types of french even though it's both french it's different so if you can tell if it knows where you are it will know what sort of French to speak. Yeah. That would be crazy. 
I mean, there's also now, because AI has gone, uh, not AI, but deepfakes have gotten to the point. There was a Drake one on the radio last night. There was a Drake deepfake on the radio talking about, oh my gosh, performing something. Dude, it was crazy. And then it was like, this was brought to you by a deepfake, and it was straight up Drake. I keep seeing ones on my YouTube uh, where it's, just like YouTube shorts, where it's like, Obama, Biden, they are my favorite. Trump. They are my favorite videos on the internet. Playing Minecraft, or yeah, Minecraft, or like any video games. Ooh, I love them. I saw one the other day which had the Queen in it, and I, the, dude, the one with Queen Elizabeth and like Ice Spice, the the rapper, she's in it, and Drake's in some of them too. It's incredible, and they sound they're pretty good, but it's scary. Well, because the Queen Elizabeth is talking about playing Minecraft, and she's dead. Yeah, but it's also scary because now you can get these voices to say anything. Yeah, like We're, what if they get Biden to say like nuke war? Yeah, exactly. I've I've seen some where the video, I don't know why these show up, but it, the video cuts off just as a person is about to say the N word. Mm, oh yeah. Where it's just like that's that's you can get these voices now to say this, and that's scary territory. I mean, you can get these voices yeah. to say anything, and I mean the the faces aren't animated with them. But now, well, I mean, possibly with this, the and new multimodal, multimodal, yeah, you could animate it. I mean, there's also the, I think that's been around for a couple of years now, where it will like track your face and like apply animation on top of it. I mean, it's super yes. janky, but I mean, we're getting right to now. That. It's janky. We're getting to that point now where it is possible, maybe within a couple of years, where AI can create its own face, give itself its own voice. Of someone else. Mm. And someone can just get an AI to, you know what? Hey, AI, do this thing for me where you're going to deep fake Biden and launch a drone strike on Russia. Game on. It's like that, that, then it's like, that is like life altering. Just, just to, just to shine light on the upside, on the, on the good side of, of deep fakes where, um, you know, say a, a world leader or um, a business owner, someone is out sick, but they, they have to have something ready or they've lost their voice, but they have their voice saved to their computer and they can make it say anything. So it's like if I'm the owner of a company, I have to deliver a presentation or something or I, I, I need to send a message or, or something like that, you know, maybe there's potential for that. Or um, or even people with disabilities who right. aren't able to talk can use now a deep fake to talk however they want yeah they could pick their own voice or even more so if they're maybe if they were once um able to speak um and they have recordings of their voice they could once they've lost it could program a deep fake to sound like how they once did and get their voice back yeah i feel like there's all of this technology just keeps making me think of black mirror Oh, we're dive, dude, we're, we are living in a Black Mirror episode right now. We're, we're really just diving. Like, <laughs> like head first, man. Oh. Nosedive. It's, yikes. That's one of the best episodes, I think. Dude. But, yeah. That show is, that show was about ahead of its time because that now it's like, it's happening. Like, there's more and more similarities to things that happened on that show than I think I care to admit. Yeah, no, it's. That's uh, a spooky show. Yeah, it's it's scary. It's uh, I think it's so scary because it's it's so beyond. It, we thought it was so beyond our reach, but now that mm. it's like it's right there, it's and it's the growth freaky. appears to be exponential. Where it's like, 
six months ago, none of us were talking about AI. And now nobody's not. And it's like ChatGBT to GBT4, ChatGBT just came out like months ago, it seems like. And now this new model's out and it's like way higher. It's way more powerful in that short amount of time by the same company, probably with a ton of Microsoft dollars. So uh, it, it makes you think. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's, I mean, it's, that's the whole point, right? With AI, it can just go on top and it's like, oh, I learned from this one, learn from that one. Because AI learns faster and faster and the more it's replicated, mm. especially with like learning, let's say AI is learning video games. Mm. It flops around for the first like 200 iterations yes. until it learns to walk. And then all of a sudden within a thousand iterations, which is done in an hour, it's beaten the entire video game through the most incredible, I don't know, cheats or whatever, but it's still figured out how to solve this entire thing. Yeah. So applying that to real world things, it's what iteration are we at right now? Mm. Right. Is this still the fish flopping around on the floor? Right. Or are we getting to that point are where we this, peak? I feel like it's only going to go up from here. Right. And there's only going to be more of this, more of it's going to be applied to spaces that we don't even know. Oh yeah, like if we were standing in front of a mountain, we are not even on the mountain yet. I don't think. If we're, the top we're looking of the at the we're looking at the sign right now to the mountain. Yeah, yeah, like we're approaching the incline. We are nowhere close. Now, if, now that's an interesting analogy. We make mountain. Does one day, because the mountain has to go down too, is there a catastrophe waiting? Is there a downside? I mean, we've talked about many, but I, I wonder how how stiff of a of a of a repercussions will come from this. Um, it's hard to say, obviously, but the, the way AI is now, it's not life-altering, it's not job-altering, it's not career-altering yet, but when those things start to happen, like we're seeing how people across the world react to certain liberties being taken away, certain freedoms being taken away. If we couple everything that people are dealing with now with loss of job due to computers, loss of relationships due to deep fakes and manipulating your own friends and family, like what do we have left? So it makes you think. And um, it, I don't know if it makes the creators of this think because I think they're, of course, only focusing on the upside potential, which I think does exist too. So I think it's a give and take. Um, it will be one of those things now where like our generation's cutting out social media. Like we're, like I've deleted Snapchat and Twitter. And I'm like, oh, I don't want it. It's like, will one day the trend be to be done with AI and go back to normal? I feel like it's kind of the part where you determine how much it affects your life. Right? Yes. If you are good at what you do mm -hmm. and if you aren't replaceable by, you know, a human, mm -hmm. you shouldn't be replaceable by an AI. Right. Yeah. That's a fair play. So I feel like, I mean, it is a certain, it's on the rise. I think it is a very important conversation to have. It's important to be aware of. Yeah. Because I feel like just getting all of a sudden slapped across the back with this, you're like, oh, sorry, you're getting replaced by a computer today. Right, that's that's a very shocking factor. Right? I'd like rage. You'd be like, "What? <laughs> How'd that happen?" So I think it's just being aware of it, being aware of the capabilities of AI is very useful. Mm. Um, because I feel like it's also something that we should be able to keep a lid on for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, not saying that there's going to be a robot uprising. Yeah, but in terms of how much are we going to let, I guess, companies use AI? Um, how? Do we value, you know, AI potential compared to human jobs? Yes. Right. It is a certain element. We're like, yeah, it's going to make it easier for it, but it's also going to 
It's going to be easier for smaller companies, but it's also easier for bigger companies to get rid of. Right. So then when does the government get their nose into it? Like when do we start seeing, because right now I don't think there's laws regarding AI, but we've seen in the last six years that the government is willing to take tech CEOs to court. Mark Zuckerberg has been in and out of court, of course, CEOs of Microsoft and, and, and many others. And there's now laws written regarding social media, social websites, social enterprises. So I wonder, I wonder if the government's looking at this growing, okay, we should take a proactive approach to, to writing laws, or are they going to do it the same way they did with social media? Say it's just, it's a tech bubble that's going to burst again. It's a phase. And then they have to have reactive laws once something bad has already happened. Or when things get too good and the government can't have a slice of it. That's, that's I guess the game. That's, that's the game, yeah. Yeah, man. Okay, this was an incredible article. Um, and it uh, leads into the whichever one you'd like to do next. I think both of these are equally as um, powerful. Um, I think we'll one go. with human implications, one with animals. Yeah, well, I mean, we can go into this one just yeah. as a positive. So this is a Forbes article, um, and it's got a title of 10 Wonderful Examples of Using Artificial Intelligence for Good. So that's, a, I mean, that's that's why we're here, right? So This was from last year, 2020. No, this was no, from this 2020. 2020. So this is three years ago now. So almost. this is based on AI models that are now, out, I would assume, outdated. Or, or even upgraded at this point. Right, right. Good point. Okay. So um, it's got a couple things here. Number one, they start off strong with cancer screening. Artificial intelligence powered by deep learning algorithms is already in use in healthcare. Specifically, AI's imaging capabilities are promising for cancer identification and screening, including breast cancer. Uh, a group at Mount Sinai used deep learning-based AI algorithms to predict the development of diseases with 94% accuracy, including cancers of the liver, rectum, and prostate. Thanks to published cancer research, clinical trials, and drug development, there is a plethora of data that AI can help to review and then guide healthcare decision-making. So with now GPT-4 having multimodal image support, you could maybe, let's say, upload the image of the patient's colon and have it reviewed against its database or, 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 or its, its quote-unquote brain to see if it's a healthy colon or a colon that needs to be investigated or if it identifies colon cancer. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, that's, that's crazy. crazy yeah. That's crazy. I mean, people go to med school for eight years to learn what a healthy or non-healthy colon will look like. And an AI can tell you in four seconds, maybe to, to output based on your prompt. And it, of course they're being very clear to say, we'll guide healthcare decision-making. Uh, I don't think this will, I don't think we're going to replace doctors. I, you know, doctors, lawyers, um, things like that. Those are pretty irreplaceable jobs, I'd say. Um, but two eyes are always better than one. And maybe uh, two eyes and a computer, I don't think it will hurt as long as it's guiding decision making and not the only decision maker. Yeah. And I think the, the key point from this is also the prediction of development of diseases. Yeah. That was the. 94% accuracy on predicting diseases or predicting the development. Yeah. So would that mean like I come in and they use AI on me somehow? I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Is it through images of certain organs? Like, um, I'm not sure. Like they reference breast cancer. So perhaps it's based off of a mammogram. They can determine 
how likely that woman may be to develop breast cancer rather than just because a mammogram procedure now you just get a result you don't get any sort of um you know this is what you should expect it just says you're clear yeah. so now maybe we'll mammogram results include you have a 94 percent chance or you ha- say you have a 50 percent chance of doing breast cancer in the next 10 years yeah which i think is a very important step because there's so many stories of people with cancer where all of a sudden they're at stage three and yes. their doctor said you know Anytime they're doing a text, like, oh, yeah, it's nothing. It looks like nothing. And then all of a sudden, oh, you're in stage three. There's nothing we can do. But now having using AI in this regard is like it can save people's lives. Because even if it says you're clear now but have a chance, as that makes it onto your medical file. And all of your doctors will now know this person is at, a, at risk of cancer. Let's, let's be sure to not lose sight of that. Because especially, I mean, in Nova Scotia, we have a reactive healthcare system. So... You could go in and tell your doctor, doctor, I think something's wrong with me. And they will take your blood work and your vitals and go, well, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. And I feel like this AI, using AI and healthcare can also be a very beneficial process in terms of speeding up yes. the healthcare process. Especially, Good point. Especially which in Nova Scotia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which would be, you know, super useful, especially in our ERs. Like, it's so slow. Dude. But now if you can come in... Just, triage yourself yeah stand in front of a monitor it scans you sees you know does an image scan sees what your issues are you do your answers it could limit the interaction that you need to have with a nurse before seeing a practitioner Mm -hmm. right limit the amount of steps before people get their help yes speeding up the process and because there's a lot of people that you know go into the er for issues that don't need a doctor that don't need this massive amount of process to clog up the yeah you know the people that actually need help right like, so what if there was like a um like a kiosk or a terminal and say you're going to the er because you don't have a family doctor but you know you've got strep throat you know you've got it but to get antibiotics you need a prescription what if you walk to a self-check-in kiosk that you stand on it when you stand on it you maybe put your finger in like a blood oxygen reader you put your other arm in a blood pressure cuff and it does your vitals while you stand on it to check in and you say, uh, I believe I have strep throat. And what if it dispensed the swab and you do your thing and put it back in the machine? And it, it it will know. It will do its own tests. It will then know what is the best antibiotic to prescribe. It will know your allergies based off your health card. And it will just print out a prescription that you will have to be verified by a nurse maybe. But maybe that only takes 10 minutes. And maybe you're in and out of the ER much quicker. And so I think technology is a huge part of healthcare that, needs to be adapted yeah almost like the automatic now traveling to canada you have the automatic passports do you have you used one of those yet yeah I've used them. yeah yeah so i mean all you do is just put it on it scans awesome. it and it just speeds up the process not everyone needs to talk to an officer right right and there's still an officer still checks everyone's receipt but as long as you are compliant it's like 10 minutes for like a family to get through the through customs right so i think there is like definitely an implication there where you can speed things up you can make it so easy for everyone. And can AI be added, or is it already, into those customs? Because those customs machines take your photo. Um, can you train that AI to look for signs of lying while someone's getting their picture taken? Maybe. Like, I mean, we're, like we talked for- about the, the AI coming out of Australia. Mm. Where it was mm-hmm. scanning people's faces yes. for fatigue. Yes, so you see could if they easy- were driving. Yeah, so you tired. could probably easily identify because there are certain like facial... Twitches or- 
yeah, there are certain fa- facial features that you do when lying, but everyone's tell is a little bit different, but there are certain ones. Yeah, that- but if maybe say you're at the computer for five minutes, throughout those five minutes, it detects more than five red flags, maybe that means you get deferred to an agent. And yeah, it's exactly, quote unquote yeah. random, but maybe that's AI powered for defending the border. That could be interesting. I don't know. I, I get random tested all the time. I don't know. How. Oh, dude, that's so far from. I think once you're tested, once they like put a note on your file, I swear it's not random. It's my. It's always my laptop that gets drug swapped. Every single time really? it goes through, it gets drug swapped. It's just because it has so many like corners ports on it and, and it, ports. Oh. When I was a kid, I had this Roots backpack that would always get swabbed for um, like they do the, the drug thing and put in the machine. As a kid, I was like. I guess. Yeah. No, so, I'm. I'm so used to it getting like swapped. Just pre- <laughs> I like preemptively did did it, and like last time I traveled, it didn't get swapped. I'm like, what? Are what? you sure? Do you want to do it anyway? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> okay, dude. This but is yeah, great. I feel like I mean, even we if we talk about yeah, we're talking about airplanes and traveling, right? Yeah. And AI, in that regard, speeding up uh, kind of the safety protocols going mm. through airports, mm. right? That I mean that is already so surveillance yeah right i don't feel like anyone would really be have a problem with like oh your ai is going to scan you it's going to track you yeah, you're like, on a hundred different cameras in one area in an airport yeah it's like yeah quickly scan you we'll ask you these questions blah, blah, blah. yeah okay you're good yes right? and uh, just i mean we're getting to the level where i mean within those areas obviously a lot of surveillance yeah but these ais have the possibility of just scanning right your last say if you control them, plug them into a network of security cameras around the airport. It can identify you from arriving to the airport to going through security to leaving your plane. And like, oh yeah, he's good. Checked all the way through. Yeah. Or if he's like, if you do anything fishy along that route, he'd be like, all right. He gets through security. Once he gets there, he's like, this guy does something fishy there. Let's flag him for a bit. Yeah. Do a more of a detailed search. Yes. So I think it opens up for that level of security as well. But, I mean, that also depends on how much people want to be in a surveillance state. All right. That's also going into Definitely. those borders. Yeah. Yeah. That it, there's people who that would, that would annoy for sure. Yeah. But I'm all for the airport being quicker. So I'm like, I'm down. You're, like you said, there's a hundred cameras everywhere. Like you're in an airport. I mean, like yeah, if you're in an airport and then being a, piece of shit and you know yeah you're gonna get caught and this way it just makes sure that you can't do it again basically yeah yeah that's good stuff i agree okay what else okay do well that transferred way too easily so let's go to that one so this one is save the bees yeah Um, which you actually have we have the website up here so this is the world hive network okay so we can read through this which is part of the world bee project is that correct Yes. World Bee Project. Okay, cool. Okay, let's see here. So um, the World Hive Network enables researchers to analyze a huge library of global bee data using the latest cloud technologies, including massive compute power, machine learning, and AI. Andy Clark, Director of Business Innovation for Oracle. Uh, The World Bee Project's World Hive Network is the first and the most ambitious effort ever undertaken to track the health of the global honeybee and eventually wild bee populations and their environments. The World Hive Network connects the world's beehives to a single global network, as well as directly safeguarding bees in har- uh, bees. It harness the power. Wait, as well as 
directly safeguarding bees, it harnesses the power of bee-derived intelligence for solutions to wider issues of biodiversity, climate change, food security, and human well-being. It can play a significant role in enabling scientists, governments, and corporates, and, and corporations, I would assume that means to say, corporates, yeah. to mitigate the threats to climate change, food security, smallholder, farmer, and beekeeper livelihoods, and create predictive models to ameliorate potential future stresses. Interesting. So have you looked into this much? I've skimmed through it. So basically from my understanding of it is the World Bee Project is kind of looking out for the bee population of the world. Because mm. I remember a couple of years ago there was a big fear of yes. the bee population dying, especially with climate change. Yep. They saw a lot of the decrease of the bee population. And if the bees die out, we essentially die out because right. there's no one to spread the pollen and everything. Yeah. So this, the kind of the beehive network is to kind of track beehives and bee activity to kind of understand how they are uh, then pollinating areas, how they are like, successful in some areas where they're not doing so well and also mm -hmm. helping beekeepers be like, Hey, you guys should do this to help your bees in this area do better so right. we kind of help guide the bee population to a healthy number so that we are able to sustain a kind of healthy environment through like food security climate change all that right. stuff so for example if there were because there's there are bee farmers in nova scotia where they could maybe get tailored targeted advice on all of those different metrics for nova scotia bees because that advice may be different than beekeepers in parts of america or um in europe so, um, how are they, do you know how they're tracking these bees? Not exactly. Uh, it's very vague. Yeah, they don't. I, I, they, they're very strict in, in, in presenting their copyright. Like, whenever they reference it, it's always... So, I assume this stuff is pretty, like, safeguarded. I like, they, they're, however they're doing it. Um, become a leader. Join the community. Connecting highs. Connecting lives. Okay. Okay, let's see. The World uh, Hive Network is partnering with Bee Hero to grow this groundbreaking initiative. It now has 50,000 intelligent hives in its network and around 2.5 billion bees. So there's the answer is they're artificial hives. Yeah, I guess so. So they probably have like some sort of tracker to see when bees arrive and leave. Yeah. I wonder if there are trackers on bees. That would be very... Like just little tiny like on their little feet or like something. Specs. Like yeah. Um, and I wonder like yet... Yeah, Exactly. I wonder how unique it is. Like, are they just tracking the hive and knowing one bee entered, two bee left, two bees came back, three bees left, or is it like unique down to they can track? Because they're saying two point five billion bees. Yeah. So obviously two point five billion. That could mean there's a variety there. So I wonder how specific they they are. But yeah, um, no, it says it achieves this by using AI and advanced cloud computing technologies to analyze honeybee and environmental health data. From monitored hives in different landscapes. So very vague still. Very vague, yeah. This approach helps to improve farmer and beekeeper livelihoods by enabling sustainable solutions. So that's the same jargon as, as up above. Um, oh, so yeah, there, there it is. It's like, oh, it's retro. You can retrofit it on existing hives because that's just a standard wood hive. So I think it probably is like a tracker and probably some sort of it can identify what type of pollen's entering and exiting. Yeah, because I believe they can only enter through those little squares. I believe there's no other way into the hive than through there. 
Yeah. So they probably have like a count of bees entering and leaving as well as pollen they're carrying. Probably a weight. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. So, I mean, it's it's interesting. Uh, I think this is from Oh, that had the government's website on the bottom, eh? So this is Department of... So the UK, United Kingdom government... Oh, sorry. The World Bee Project is a member of the UK government Department for Environment, Food, and Rural Affairs Pollinator Advisory Steering Group. So they're not a government agency. They're a UK community interest company is what it says at the bottom. So, yeah, it's just... About keeping bees, I guess. That is incredible. I mean, bees are, you know, obviously as a kid, you're like, bees sting me. I don't like bees. But, um. Nope, here's their mission. Oh, okay. Uh, so the, uh, the mission for World Bee Project. Our mission is to blend artificial intelligence and computing technology with world-leading bee research to help solve the interrelated challenges of biodiversity decline, climate change, food and nutrition, insecurity, Oh, sorry, food and nutrition insecurity, loss of beekeeper and smallholder farmer livelihoods and threats to human well-being. That last part is, is human human well-being is what I was just getting at is we rely heavily on bees. Yeah. Um, for I mean, bees pollinate the food that we eat at times, uh, most times. So um, it's it's relied upon. So I think that's, that's a huge thing. And um, when you think of like, how do I monitor bees? Like, I feel like that's not an easy job to monitor a little tiny bee. Like, you know. And they're everywhere. Yeah, what, 2.5 billion or million or billion? Was billion. It? Billion bees. That's a lot of That's a lot, a lot, of, lot of bees, bees that they have tabs on, dude. That's like, that's yeah, crazy. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a very. That's a good one. That's a, I think that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, don't really understand the full AI behind it. Uh, they have slapped the AI. Yeah, they're, the, they're using the word AI a lot, but they're keeping their technology quite under wraps. Yeah, I do feel like that is kind of a thing that's been happening a lot where people do slap the the keywords, the buzzword, mm. buzzword. Yeah. Oh, dude, they really missed out on an opportunity there. Uh, but putting AI onto things where it's like, is it really AI or is it just very well-written code? Yeah. Because AI is is, is different than just well-written, well-written code. Um, obviously, AI is code, but when you think of, when I think of AI, I think of it like, a computer turned person almost like it's, it's a little different. Yeah. Like, is it, is it learning? I mean, it, the whole thing is AI is constantly learning yes. from doing things. Is this a, this this AI or is it just jotting down notes every single time and then uploading it to a dashboard? Yeah, exactly. Right. Is it, if it's yeah. taking the information and then applying it to something else, then yes. yeah, then maybe that's a different question. Yeah. And I know that they have mentioned like they're using this to, related to studies and to to make changes so i'm sure there is some aspect of it where it is true ai but you're right the lack of them explaining their ai does make you believe it's just a little bit of a buzzword yeah and i mean even for that's also like in any regards of ai like ai imagery is it making it you know is it using learning mm to do that or does it just have a database filled with it and then copy pasting right like is it just going on like pixbay and just like looking up free to use images. But I think that the learning comes from, is it constantly taking more of this information on its own or is it getting filled by a human? Right. Right. And that, yeah, again, you're right. A lot of these places don't like to divulge that information because it may blow up their spot as well. Yeah. Dude. Interesting. Yeah. That's an, wow, AI. that's an AI show, man. That was a, uh, 
that was great. It's it's nice to touch on. I know we got into some of the the negative things. It's kind of hard to to not because there is there's obvious negatives to them, but I think we did an all right job at, at highlighting some positives. I think it's also. I mean, it's more about just educating. Definitely, uh, yeah. Just oh, talking about it. Yeah, I feel like um, the AI conversation has been very guided down one this way. It's like it's taken away from artists. Yeah, it's doing this. Oh, it's writing essays for us. I think it's more about like what is it really doing? Yeah, like what applications does it really have on us on a day to day basis? Yes, I mean, and we talked about like what three, six, not eight different options, and there's got to be like thousands, if not tens of thousands, of different applications for AI, millions. So yeah. I mean, could be more AI in our lives than we even knew because they've been doing this for three, five years now. Well, iOS 17 just got released today. Not released, announced rather. And there, I don't know if there was any obvious mentions of AI, but surely a company like Apple is not getting into AI. Like they must. They hundred percent. There's definitely some they AI must. already in our phone that's yeah. tracking. Well, you think like um, when I drive by a certain location enough, my phone tells me, "Would you like to go on work mode?" Because it knows when I'm here, I'm generally working. So it's like that's already kind of AI. Yeah, it's already learning. Yeah, same same thing. It's learning about me and my my behavior. Yeah, so I think the phone's already tracking data like that. So definitely, there is some sort of information that's being gathered from that. And yeah, I don't know. It's I feel like it's there and it's it's happening. It is happening, and I think it's a very important thing to be aware of and kind of be ahead of. Yeah, at least be educated on it, so that way you're not blind to what's happening around you. You can at least have a an idea of what what's happening to you. Yeah, you know, be ahead of the AI uprising, be on their side, and let's go robots. That's like, right. Well, that's right. We love you, robot. <laughs> Don't take over us. Google, um, I swear I'm good. Uh, I have a Google mess of mine. It's <laughs> so true. It's like, yeah, dude, yeah, you got to be nice to those things, man. Who knows? Um, dude, well, this was a great show. Great show. Good show, man. Um, almost, almost like we don't need Josh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this was a good show. We um, we tackled in some good stuff. So um, thank you, everybody, for listening. This was great to be back on with you all. And so whatever it is you're doing, uh, whether you be um, learning sign language Ooh. with Huawei. <laughs> or uh, eating some honey. Oh, um, we're not going to go to a third. So uh, whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> Wherever you are. We love you. We're out. Peace.